The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and today we're putting a bow on TaylorMade Driving Relief. We're going to talk a little bit about Tiger Woods, and we're going to break down the best golf video games. I already have a bone to pick with Greg Ducharme, so let's welcome him in. What up, Greg? Here we go again. Another. <laughs> this, is, this is one of those situations. They seem to happen every once in a while. I, I'm stuck on my own little island. We did this happened with the terms that we talked about a couple weeks ago, and here we here we are again. I'm out on my island, uh, but hey, let's go. And luckily, we have a, a tie-breaking vote today. And uh, you may know these sweet tones from PGA Tour Radio and the Perfect Number Podcast. It's Will Haskett. Hey, Will. Guys, I, I have to take some of the responsibility because I think it was my Twitter banter last week that got us into this rabbit hole in the first place. So I know we have actual golf to talk about, which is exciting because finally we have real golf, but I really just want to talk about fake golf. So I guess we should got to the real <laughs> golf before we talk about the fake golf. Yeah, this is um, <laughs> this this did come from Twitter the other day. So that's, that's absolutely true. But before we get to that, Will, um, you were live on the call for taylor may driving relief yesterday but you were doing it from home so set the scene for us you tweeted out a photo you've got the pin placements on your lamp that might be a fire hazard not sure Mm -hmm. uh but talk to us about what all went into pulling something like this off yeah, we were on again, off again in terms of whether we we're going to make the technology work and the folks at PGA Tour Entertainment trying to figure out all of the different moving parts and trying to make it perfect and developing sort of road packs. But I have all the equipment with um, some relationships in the past with some talk shows I had on SiriusXM. And so I still had all the equipment to be able to dial into our studios uh, to be able to do it. And it really just took a dedicated feed. So we actually used um, uh, Microsoft Teams to actually bring a dedicated feed from on-site in Juneau Beach so that we could have it happen. So we, Earl Forsey, our host, was in the SiriusXM studios in Washington, D.C. They still are under very strict protocol for social distancing, which means you can only have one producer in the booth. So you had one guy behind the glass, and normally we have three producers that are producing live golf, so they had to be kind of scattered about in the building because they couldn't be in the same room. Uh, our analyst, Mark McCumber, was actually in the same home as Mark Carnival because they both live in the Jacksonville area, and they were a nice, healthy 10 feet apart on two um, love seats in the living room watching on a TV. And then I was here in Indianapolis calling every shot of Matthew Wolf and Ricky Fowler. So we had a couple of technical glitches that hopefully the audience didn't really hear. I mean, it's just going to happen when you're relying on internet. And then sadly, my nine-year-old, my four-year-old had no access to the internet for six and a half hours yesterday. So we figured out a way to get it done. Um, but to be honest, I mean, as a guy that calls a lot of different sports, you know, it's been really interesting these last couple of months, guys, because you know, a lot of low budget broadcasts and Olympic type sports and things for the last couple of years have been called remotely. It's more of a thing to do these, these live view camera packs that the guys were using and the camera shots that are all actually cellular technology that beams back to a place has been available, but it really hasn't been something that I think a lot of broadcast networks want people to know about because they don't want to think that the the product is less well now they're sort of hyping it up it's kind of crazy we've done a full 180 and so now we're like oh yeah look i'm here and this guy's there and it's so much fun and i really wonder if we ever truly get back to normal if we'll ever do anything like that you know because it's it, it's it's pretty easy and it's pretty fun and don't get me wrong like i had dinner and a glass of wine in my hand with my wife two minutes after i got off the air and that doesn't normally happen when i'm calling a golf tournament in florida so, Will, when you typically do a tournament versus a tournament uh, like this, what are some of the major differences? Do you feel like you're missing out on anything, not being on the grounds? Or do you feel like you can still get all the information that you need out there? Because I, I can tell you, covering something on, on radio is very different than on TV. 
because you have, you have to paint the entire picture. Yeah. Do you feel like you lost anything being at home? I'll say yes and no to that because the way I look at what we have to do is we have to tell people what's going on, what the shot is. So if you give me a TV picture, if you're watching on TV, you don't need the announcers to tell you where the ball went, what happened, what the score is. You need them to provide a little bit of extra context. And in, in reality, you really need them to shut up and give you really good tidbits of information that help with the pictures. Well, on radio, we don't have pictures. So I can do the basics as a play-by-play guy if, as long as I just have that TV feed. Now, the thing I'm missing is – you know, yesterday I was constantly checking my weather app at the nearest beacon in Juneau Beach to figure out where the wind was and then looking at the overhead so I can say, okay, I'm pretty sure the wind is, you know, down and out of the right here because I'm not there to be able to feel it. You know, reading greens, I've never stepped foot on Seminole. I've never been there. So how am I supposed to know, like, is this a back-to-front sloped green? You know, you're sort of looking at it and kind of guessing. And, and so it, it's not perfect. You know, you miss the banter with the players. If it's a four-round tournament, you really miss the feel of, of, you know, the momentum swings and what guys are working on and the ability to kind of just talk to caddies and no caddies yesterday, but some of those things, I think, but for the sake of just providing the X's and O's of a golf tournament, it's not that big of a deal. But yeah, if this was the norm all the time, you'd lose a lot of that color and and everything. And we see more remote broadcasting and I love it selfishly from my scheduling standpoint, but to be honest, I would love it to be never more than a 50-50 split because you have to be there to get some of the insights from the players and the people around them. I've been at least impressed with the general creativity that we have seen during this time. I mean, the, the more remote stuff, people embracing 2020 technology. I mean, Greg, what are, you, what are you guys doing for course record? I mean, what changes have you guys kind of been, been making over there? Well, my, uh, my little two-bedroom townhouse in Stanford, Connecticut has turned into a studio in about 15 minutes, right? So I have my computer. It's basically the same setup I do for the podcast here. I just I have to get everybody either outside or upstairs. I, I have a, There are some odd – if you walk in, the pictures in my uh, living room have changed a little bit. They're a lot lower. Some of them are tucked behind the couch because I, I move the couches and create kind of a, a little bit of a – of a backdrop and uh, I cannot believe that right here in this little tiny place right on a main road I'm doing a show on CBS Sports Network it's it's crazy and I just need a computer uh, I have a couple little technical things like we were talking about the Madonna mic this little adapter and I, yeah that's sexy I, yeah, I love it. yeah. <laughs> I've I've learned so much about audio and and video in this time it's I mean, it's amazing. I'm, I'm not a tech guy. I'm a golf pro. We know, we know. I'm I'm much more tech savvy now. So I've definitely learned a lot. I I actually texted Greg about that Madonna bike earlier today. I might have to get my hands, (laughs) might have to get my hands on one of those. Um, Will from a, just a kind of overall, you know, standpoint of this, what were your reactions on the match? Uh, I, I mean, personally, I thought the guys did a really good job, you know, complying with with cdc guidelines staying away from one another i think this shows that hey this was this was kind of a warm-up this was kind of make sure this can all be done right i i'm very i'm much more optimistic even though there was only four guys on the course you know moving forward today than i might have been three days ago Yeah, it's like i mean it's really representative of everything that's going on in the country right it's not necessarily about you getting sick it's about controlling the spread and what happens if somebody else sort of gets sick that's at least the message that everybody's trying to get across is sure i might not be afraid of the virus but if i walk out and maybe i'm a carrier or maybe i get it and i bring it home that's the sort of thing and so i think seeing the guys interact just gives us hope that there's something in the future. And then when you look at the huge plan that the players got last week from the PGA tour and all of the steps are going to go into it, it's really, when you read it, it's not necessarily, I mean, it is about protecting each individual, but it's really about protecting the entire organization from what happens if five guys get sick or 10 guys get sick. And then all of a sudden we don't have enough people or there's enough guys down and in quarantine that we can't hold tournaments anymore. So it's more sort of that to my, in my opinion, it's the protecting of the long term. So the hotel plans, the requirements of how guys are going to eat, who's touching what on the actual golf course. And so, yeah, I mean, four guys without caddies with, you know, one rules official always touching the flagstick. There are going to be some things that are totally different when we get to Colonial in a couple of weeks. But I think it just is another one of those things where it shows that, okay, we can do these things from a production standpoint, especially we can bring the pictures to an audience. And so it's baby steps to a couple of weeks from now in Fort Worth. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Me, me wearing a mask outside is just as much for you and everyone else as it is for me. And it was nice to see the guys take it, take it very seriously. Um, we've embraced the weird a little bit uh, and, and what we're going to get into over the course of the next couple of weeks and things are going to be different. And, and Greg, I want to get your thoughts on kind of the news that uh, was released today about the U S open, not having open qualifying um, you know, instead the entire field will be exempt. I mean, that's obviously a large component of the U S open, Greg, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. The, the chain, first of all, as it was mentioned on, on Twitter, my hopes are dashed of a, <laughs> of a Cinderella story in the U.S. Open. <laughs> uh, so that yeah, that's a, a little bit disappointing. Not that I was necessarily going to play, but man, there are so many loose ends when you talk about these little qualifiers. Part of me thinks you may be able to host them because there's mini tour events going on in certain places. There are, are places where you can have small events, but you know this is a this is a global issue it's a, a global pandemic and so in each little area in each pocket of the world you're experiencing completely different things in north carolina for example it may not be so bad whereas up here in westchester uh, it's it's you know kind of the epicenter and things are bad maybe there's an, another you know dc as as will mentioned earlier they're experiencing another little uh, a, a little hike in numbers and these are things you have to be extremely concerned on and now during that process what came out in some of the articles is hey they the USGA as an organization has basically been shut down for a period of time and the work they've been able to do is extremely limited so it it makes sense to me uh, that they had to take this step i think it's a step that um that we saw coming for the most part, it kind of had to happen. So I completely understand what I'll be very interested to see is what happens a with a fanless U S open, which mm. is not necessarily official yet, but I think it kind of is with the footprint being 2000 and normal footprint would be 40,000. You get from 40,000 to 2000. That means one, that means no fans. So what's that going to look like? And is that going to have an effect on the remaining PGA Tour events in between, uh, in, in between now and then? Can you really, at the John Deere Classic, have fans when in September you're not going to have fans at a U.S. Open? I don't know, but I'm very interested to see uh, how all that plays out. Yeah, well, I, and I want to get your thoughts on this too, because we've been opining for the past eight or nine weeks or whatever it's been about um, – I don't, I don't want to say what's too much. That's a weird way to put it, but like people draw the line places. They draw the line at like, well, if we can't have fans at the Ryder cup, we shouldn't have it. And for, for whatever reason, that is a line that has already been drawn. I, I'm, I'm kind of in the personal uh, sphere of just being like, yo, it's going to be weird. The masters is going to be in November. That doesn't mean we should skip it this year. We should just have it in November. And in 20 years, we'll look back and be like, 2020 was weird. Like that was a really weird year. We played a lot of events without fans, but it was probably better off. Like where, where are you at on this spectrum? Well, is it more important to protect the event or protect in the, the event and the organization? Or is it more important to prevent tradition and all these sorts of things? And that's how I kind of look at it from the U.S. Open standpoint. It's impossible right now to fairly conduct sectional and local qualifying in a timely manner up until because you just never know when things are going to be relaxed and all the standards and competitive issues and all these things. So you might be able to have a qualifier here, but for all the guys geographically, they're going to do it. It's going to be really difficult, but we haven't had a guy go through two stages and win since Moody in 69, right? We've had three guys from qualifying since then. And even in the second stage. So it's not as if like, Again, I understand it's going to impact the field, but when we look at who's going to win, who's going to be at the top of the leaderboard, the qualifying side of it, need, it isn't as big of a deal to me when I'm looking at the fact that it's the one money-making tournament for an organization that needs the TV revenue money. So if this was, if this was the players, okay, and the PGA Tour has got a number of different ways to supplement its own income the rest of the year, they can survive saying, look, the players is going to happen. They already canceled it. No big deal. Like the USGA really needs the US Open to happen in some way and shape form this year because of all of the ancillary benefits that come from that. And yeah, you're going to lose out on some ticket revenue. You're going to lose you know, some people who are going to be griping now about the fact that you don't have a guy who it's not everybody's open because now it's just closed to a certain number, but it's like, it's extreme circumstances. Like we have to be able to adapt to look at the long-term benefits. And if, if they can't do local and sectional qualifying, then our choices between the way they've set it up now or not having it at all. And I just don't see how not having it all 
benefits everybody just because we're saving the sanctity for one year of how it's always been contested. Uh, that is music to my ears. I, I am not a traditionalist. Give them shorts, give them lasers, uh, give them carts, let them do whatever, whatever they want out there. Uh, Greg, let's, let's turn our attention to Tiger and Phil here. If uh, driving relief was an appetizer, if colonial is the entree, this is what, like a small plate? Uh, as we get, you know, the, the big name of Tiger Woods, Phil, you get a couple of quarterbacks out there. Uh, you are intimately familiar with the course they are going to be playing. Why are you able to describe kind of the uh, similarities and differences between what we might have seen at Seminole and what we might see at Medalist? Medalist is uh, a, a big golf course. It's, I would say, a lot bigger in general. The, the general footprint, the general property is bigger. Um, there are a lot more trees and wooded areas. There are, and I don't believe there are any at Seminole either, but there's no homes. I mean, I'd describe Medalist as the jungle. You're out in the, in the jungle. There's gators and snakes and animals out there all over the place. And um, so the areas kind of off the fairways are a little bit different. It's not sand dunes. You're not right on the Atlantic Ocean. You're in the, in the woods. You're in the swamp, in the, the jungle, as I call it. And um, so it's a lot bigger. It's a longer golf course. The, the greens are bigger. Uh, and it may be a little bit flatter. The greens aren't as elevated. There are a couple elevated greens, but for the most part, they're, they're generally flat. The three keys to medalist to me, one, you have wide fairways, um, wide fairways with a penalty of miss. That's severe. If you, if you miss the fairways out there, there's no rough on the, on the property. You're not going to find rough, but you will find, um, maybe a, a cart path palmetto bushes you're you'll see some golf balls roll into palmetto bushes and guys are hitting them left-handed out of there you'll you'll see some things like that that aren't very fun um greens tend to be very fast it tends to be firm although you don't know what you're going to get with the weather um and then there are some there, there's a mix of holes as far as length is concerned for instance number one is a a 499 yard par four with a 270 yard force carry over swamp. That's from the tiger tee. Likely Manning and Brady or all of them will play from a tee forward, which is a, a 400 yard hole, but there's a long hole there. Then number two is a 500 yard hole, uh, another really long hole right out of the gate. But then you get over to the, uh, the, the back nine and number 11 is a drivable par four. It's a little dog leg left. You kind of have to hit it over the trees to a really small, angled green with uh, some some bunkering on the right hand side uh, and and you're going to see a little fall off on the left hand side and then number 14 which follows a par 5 the 13th you're going to see another drivable par 4 with water a penalty area all up the left hand side and a really small green that I call all side short side if you miss that green you're short sided right there's just nowhere to miss there's nowhere to bail uh, and that that seems to be into the greens a theme at medalists there's there's not a lot of places there's not a lot of safe shots you have to bite off what you can chew so i'm very excited to see what happens with the golf course hopefully it gets firm and fast because when it does man it can it can be hard to keep your ball on the grass out there will the general public just saw four guys on a golf course mm -hmm. uh this sunday they're going to see four guys on a golf course what's different about this week compared to last week you're wanting to see what the how the quarterbacks play. I mean, it's Obviously. it's more. Yeah, you want. I think it's. I don't know. It feels more exhibitiony than what we had yesterday. In the fact that you've got big personalities, uh, you know what Phil brings to the table with with smack talk, gamesmanship, you know, side action, all these things you're hoping you're going to get out of it. Whereas yesterday, I mean, you knew you weren't going to get a whole lot of crazy fireworks. I mean, Matthew Wolf tried to be pretty clever and you know yeah. and say a couple of things and. And DJ just kind of, you know, napped through it. And, and Ricky was, you know, typical boardroom. Great. Um, but, you know, I, I think you're going to get a lot more stories and, and I hope more anecdotal stuff. And I hope we hear more from them than we heard from the players yesterday from what I was told. Um, I didn't watch the broadcast. I did have access to the microphones when we used them in our coverage, but I didn't know how much we, that people were getting them kind of going off of Twitter. So I think you're going to get a lot more of that. Um, I don't know how good the golf's going to be. I didn't expect great golf yesterday, and it was actually pretty good. I mean, you know, DJ aside, I thought the golf was was pretty good. And I don't know where Phil and Tiger are going to be, and and how Peyton and Tom and how they set it up from the T standpoint. Like Greg was talking, I don't, you know, I don't know. So I'm expecting to be entertained by it, 
where I was expecting to watch golf yesterday, I'm expecting to watch an entertainment show that happens to be golf on Sunday with this match. I think that's kind of where I'm at. You got a couple of guys where you have no idea what the rust uh, looks like, where their game is at, and you throw a couple of single-digit handicaps in there, and it's going to be a big difference, you know? Hey, and you like this? I took plus 550 that Phil Birdie's the first hole. So wow. I, I know it's a long hole, but I, I don't know which tees they're going to go from, Greg. If it's the 490 tee, I'm screwed. But if it's the 400 tee, then I kind of like my odds. So I don't know where we're going here yet. Well, I'll tell you. I mean, Phil, Phil can handle that length, right? He can handle the force carry. And that's the thing. You stand on that tee. It's this daunting force carry. Like it, that tee was not designed to be there. It was put in after the fact. But that being said, it's a, it's a wide fairway. And it's a, generally speaking, depending on hole location, you can get a pretty easy flag there. So one, as long as it is, can be a birdie hole uh, if you can put it into the fairway. I, what I'm most interested in is the wind. If you get wind out there, I mean, this could be um, pretty uninspiring golf because it can, get, it can get really difficult and it's really hard to play aggressive on some of these shots and holes when it gets windy. So the, the weather's going to be a huge factor to me. But if there's not a lot of wind, I think you could see some birdies. Um, but man... I do have a feeling you're going to see some guys digging around in palmetto bushes, maybe sticking them <laughs> somewhere where they, they shouldn't. Because you, you could see some carnage out there for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's get our – I'll make you make some picks here. Although I will tell you, the Phil Mickelson, Tom Brady underdog group has been steamed up over the last 10 days or so, and they are now plus 180. They were like plus – I don't know, 225, 10 days ago. So uh, the favorites, Tiger and Peyton, down to minus 195. Will, um, what do you think? Uh, I went, I mean, when I had four golfers who I knew last week, I knew that Rory and DJ were going to win and they went and they did. And there was never any debate that that was going to happen, right? Like Rory and DJ take the best <laughs> ball strikers. Never, never debate. Thank There's God. no debate except for hole number 16, 17, 18 and the closest pin, yeah. which is, you know, those Thank guys God they didn't have to putt to win that thing at the end. <laughs> Um, but no, I'm going to take the, I'll take the dogs. I like, um, I mean, Phil, if you look at, it, I did a whole video thing today and went back and looked at his birdie average versus scoring average against tiger through their entire careers. And we all know that he's a more aggressive player, but I mean, it really is going to boil down to the Brady versus Manning. That's the unknown. And you really yep. don't know. Um, I think if there's a motivational sort of edge here and Phil can just go attacking if Brady's in play, I think it gives Phil green lights all the time. And, and I, I like the underdog in this one. Greg, hit us with it. Tiger's a member. <laughs> I don't know if Phil's ever played there. I, I was there for three years, pretty much every day, and I never saw Phil. I don't know if he's been there since. I'm sure he'll get a practice round in. But, I mean, Tiger's there a lot. That's Tiger's home course. And um, I got to give him a little bit of an advantage, on the, especially on the greens. I, I, so I, I definitely – but. Like you said, Will, that you're talking about a modified alternate shot for the second nine. At some point, this is not going to be up to Tiger versus Phil Mickelson. At some point, Peyton Manning's going to have to hit a shot. Who do you trust more, Peyton or Brady? I mean, it's a little bit of a toss-up. They're very similar in their handicaps. Uh, you've never really seen these guys under under the gun, but you know that they are both extremely competitive and you know, they've both been extremely successful in competitive situations. So I think this is a much more difficult bet than last week. Um, and I may just, I, I think I go with the home course advantage and I think I go tiger woods. He also has the redemption thing. He doesn't want to lose two matches. That's to, true. To Phil. That's, so I, I'm going to go tiger. I might be square, and I, that's kind of where I was at, too. I was like, you know what? No way Tiger loses to Phil twice. And also, isn't Tom Brady, like, practicing football right now? Like, you, this guy can't be playing golf. Peyton Manning's got to be playing golf every, I don't know, every single day leading up to this. I don't know. Maybe I'm square, but I, I also uh, am interested in, in Tiger and Peyton Manning. Uh, all right, gentlemen, we are going to jump into the uh, long-awaited video game ranking. Uh, mm. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up 
to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for for our listeners. Uh, First-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we're back. Uh, all right. So here's what we'll do. We're going to go through our top five golf video games of all time. We've compiled our rankings. Uh, If you think we're wrong, which based on my Twitter replies, you most certainly think I'm wrong about a lot of things. Uh, Go and drop us uh, who you like in the rankings, what your video game rankings would be in the Apple podcast or uh, tweeted us at First Cut Pod. Uh, This kind of stemmed off that PGA Tour 2K21 release, which is coming out August 21st, Will, and then it kind of just sparked like on Twitter, maybe we should just do like a definitive rank of golf video games, right? There's a lot of actually good rankings out there. I know people have done it through the years and have gone really, really deep. And the more I started thinking about it, the more I realized I really don't even have any idea how many video games there have been made. And I'm living totally in my subjective, selfish bubble of the three or four games that actually influenced me. But I'm taking a really large world view of this video game thing. So I, in my opinion, the number one video game of all time is Tiger Woods 2012. And the reason, and there's only one reason for this, and it's because of Augusta. And if you have the game that has the course that everybody was waiting to play ever in the history of golf gaming, and it comes out and it happens to be a part of the most lucrative franchise of golfing games, I was done playing video games in 2012 and went out and bought that video game. And that, to me, if I can buy a video game in 2012, because of that reason, that's why it's my number one. Are we doing like number ones going around the table here? What's our, well, what's our role uh, here? you kicked us off on that path, so we'll continue on that path uh, because it is also Greg's number one game. And and Greg, I, I, I obviously want to hear your thoughts about that 2012. I'm, I'm sure they somewhat echo Will's, but also how you came up with these rankings. I think that's really a key here. Yeah. Uh, I, I leaned a lot on, yes, my 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 personal feelings, like what did, what did I enjoy, but also – from like a social cultural uh, impact of some of these games? Uh, social cultural impact, interest. I'll, I'll, there's definitely a social impact in my own life. This is extreme, just much like Will, a uh, very personal list for me. These are games that, um, that have impacted me. They're games that I've obviously played. They're games that I've enjoyed. So you go back in time, 2012, as we flash back, I am maybe a junior or sophomore in high school, maybe somewhere in between. Oh my God, you guys are so young. Not college. I'm sorry. I said high school. You're still so young. Um, So junior year in college, 
sophomore year of college, somewhere around there. I mean, I was, that was like the prime of my career. I was never a big gamer growing up. I, I, I am, I got into it a little bit and then I went to college and this is like kind of brought me into video games. It kind of got me hooked to video games because there's Augusta national. You can play Augusta national on a video game. If you are a golf fan, you don't have to be a gamer. You don't have to be a, a video game geek or somebody who's into video games. It's worth buying a console and that game to just be able to play that course. And it's hard to play any other course. I don't know what other courses were on there. I would do maybe a PGA Tour career mode here and there. But for the most part, my buddies and I, my roommates and I are playing uh, stroke play or match play or something at Augusta National. Period. It's just said and done. That's that's it. And how do you choose another course? It, it was the coolest thing for me. And it, it kind of sparked my interest in video games as a whole. Uh, if it makes you feel any better, Will, uh, producer Jacob graduated high school in 2012. Doesn't make me feel any better. <laughs> I think he's the youngest one we, here. We'll <laughs> age myself here really soon when we get to my number two. So let's keep the number one conversation going. Uh, I'll, they'll know how old I am here in a minute. My my number one, uh, and and Will, actually in our, our text chain, I think you made a really good point about, uh, like this might even be its own category, its own thing. I, I said it's golden tea. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's obviously an arcade game, but how long it's been around, how I feel like, uh, you know, in every sports bar, they had a golden tee and how they've evolved over the years. Now you can play it. I remember when you could play it like online and you could see like what other people at other bars were doing. It's like, Oh my God, this is unbelievable. And, And now they've evolved to, you know, mobile apps and literally the article from today, like a portable version of this uh like to me it just is is such a strong competitor so many people have played it they've got the it's like madden right they've got madden championships they've got golden tee championships this to me will kind of like de facto number one yeah i I agree with you to that point because of how how it was in everybody's face everywhere like if you had nothing if you knew nothing about golf there was one there at the corner of the bar at 1 30 in the morning and it's been around i mean it's, it's survival has been really incredible to sort of watch and we all had that friend like that guy who when he graduated from college like had the good job early was like making money before you did and he was the one that like just dropped his credit card in the golden tee and like would just run up like 50 bucks 75 bucks worth of debt on it every night and he was so stinking good because you didn't have the money to actually play that much golden tea. And he's like on the leaderboard all the time. And you hated that son of a gun because he was just rolling through. He was, he was like a pharmacist or like an investment banker. Like one of those, that was one of the two guys, like the 23 year old that's just like, Hey, let's go play some golden tea. And you, you roll in and he's four under through one. Like somehow he makes a double albatross on the first hole. And you don't even know how that's possible because he's been playing so much golden tea. And he has like the dedicated credit card for his golden tea addiction. <laughs> uh i think i knew that guy yeah Yeah. i certainly i certainly know um all right let's jump into number two we'll go to you here quick greg because greg loves the tiger woods series so greg goes number one uh t dubs 2012 excuse me and then number two t dubs 2014 what was the big difference between was it like how you differ, how do you differentiate between these two? Well, uh, Augusta National is first in that's, 2012. Okay. So that, that's why it's number one, because it was first to the party. It's also in 2014, and I don't know about 13. I don't think I ever had 13. <laughs> I had my fix. I could play I could play Masters, could play Augusta. And then this one came out, and I, I'm a little, you know, just out of college, not making any money. I'm not the guy spending any dollars on golden yeah. teeth. Uh, but I can play a little bit here and there. I still, I, I didn't have a family that I could still play from time to time. And you get to play Augusta National. And then there's the historical element to it. So you could be Arnold Palmer. You could be uh, Seve Ballesteros. You could play matches against some of these uh, older players. And to me, that was a really cool element to the game. It was um, it, the way that they did it, the way it would, it, like the the visuals on the screens, the graphics would change and you're like back in time in the original US Open, which was uh, was a cool element that I had never seen before. So it was like modern mixed with, um, with, with the classic traditions of the game, which to me was very cool. So I enjoyed it. And of course, you get to play Augusta National. Uh, can't argue with that. Will, uh, it is time to, for you to age yourself. Here we uh, go. Your get number two. Hit us with it. All right. So I'm going to the original PGA Tour Golf Series game, which the debut was 1990. I'm pretty sure I had this game, 
um, it was uh, the first issue. The first edition had PGA West, TPC Sawgrass, and Avenel. I think is the three golf courses with a made-up fourth one, if I remember it correctly. Um, I had it on PC, but the reason why is it eventually sort of rolled into Sega in that world. And the reason why I bring it up is one, it was really the first time that you could have PGA Tour venues in a game and compete and do this stuff. The gameplay is awful, and I don't care if all the game play people that are out there i'm not talking about gameplay i'm talking about impact on the sport and on an impressionable 10 year old at the time in 1990 with this game that was sort of out but then you had all of the you so you could play these courses so you could go from watching golf on tv and then go and do it and i also put it in there because let's be honest as a child of the 90s the 90s was the golden age of video games you've got nintendo from the late 80s into the 90s rolling into the wars with sega and all these other sort of places so it's kind of like the beatles are the default best rock and roll band of all time even though you can make a case because they happened to be there when it all sort of started well this is the game that was there when like gaming really became a thing and joey sindelar by the way was the badass of all badasses you play whatever and no matter what you did you'd go to the leaderboard after your hole was over and you'd see where you were and it was always joey sindelar at the top man he was a beast I, I absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, this is, this is before me. I'm, I'm, I'm two years <laughs> old in this moment. Um, it, although I will tell you this, the, the clips and the gameplay footage that is on YouTube of this is like just epically awesome. Oh yeah. I mean, the courses they have like the clubhouse set up. It's, it's so strong. So I, I did enjoy uh, that rabbit hole I went on earlier. Uh, my number two is, is the Tiger Woods uh, game, but it's 2003 because this is, this is like the first year it got mainstream for me. Uh, technically, there was a Tiger Woods game in 99. It was PC. It was PS1. Uh, it got to PS2, 2001, 2002. But the 2003 game was the first time that it was available on PC. It was available on PlayStation 2, Xbox for the first time, and GameCube for the first time. So this is like when all your friends had it, right? Like when my mm. Xbox buddies, they were like, oh no, that game is cool. Or like my, my GameCube buds, like they, they could also access this. And then even from a, um, an acclaim standpoint, it was, a, it was one of the finalists for sports games of the year. Madden obviously went on to win it, but like this to me is when I feel like all my buddies had golf games, if that makes sense. This was the, the thing with those early Tiger Woods games, like, 2003 for some reason a 2005 game stands out in my mind as being uh somewhat popular but i, I had a hard yeah. time differentiating between them but i just remember the gameplay and i had a couple of friends who played this is before i really played golf but i had a couple of friends who played on gamecube i think so maybe that tells you a little bit about when this particular version was but you could hit the ball so far and you could spit it like create the gameplay was so cool it was so unique it was like a a real video game in football you can get these crazy stats in basketball like video game stats it, you could actually do that in the game of golf which was uh it, it was really cool so i enjoy the the younger tiger woods ones i just have a hard time differentiating between them yeah if you go look at the covers that's like how i remember like oh tiger in green tiger's pointing at you oh i remember that yeah. <laughs> yeah. as opposed to like what the actual number was um will you had golden tea at three we kind of talked through golden tea was my number one game anything else to add on this here uh no no i'm terrible at it and that <laughs> really and it really bothers me it's like the, the thing about all these games not all of them but the really good ones is that if you're a halfway decent player i would like to think that you have a little bit of an advantage over someone when you play these games and then it comes to like golden tea and the course management doesn't help you at all. Like if you have to build up a freaking callus on the bottom of your hand to be a good golden tee player, that is the number one priority to golden tee. So it's why I dropped it a little bit because culturally speaking, it's everywhere. And we talked about that a little bit earlier, but that was the one thing that I kind of knocked it is like Tiger Woods 2012. And I had it on Wii because we had my wife and I had a Wii just merely for party purposes, like the two games. So you could play like Wii tennis and stuff. So when I bought the, the Tiger Woods 2012 and you could spin it back and do all these sorts of things, you had a little bit of feel in a video game like Golden Tee has no feel in my opinion. But again, I can't knock the fact that everybody loves a good old Golden Tee. And when you're six cocktails in, like, let's go play some Golden Tee in the corner, man. I love it. I love it. Um, Greg, well, let's talk about my number three real quick. It's Mario Golf. Greg, you had this at four. Uh, this, again, is just cultural. Like, I think there was only two Mario games. The fact that you can play 
you know, the Bowser Championship. You can play with different characters. This is worldwide. Like, I don't, I didn't remember how good the game was. I just remember being excited about it. It's the ultimate. I do, I do remember. I had an N64. I played this game yeah. before I was even into golf. Uh, like Mario Tennis was another one I played. It's just these characters, and it's such a different world. It's not the realistic, like my first couple there, the Tiger Woods, the Golf Club 2019 on my list as well. The, these are realistic gameplay games. There is a little bit of feel, as Will mentioned earlier. There's actually some feel. It may be minor, um, but depending on the difficulty level you play with, there's actually feel. This is not that. This is as video game as it gets. The courses are crazy. There's these like crazy uh things going on on the sides of the property and it, it was just fun to play it was an imaginative game completely imaginary um and and that was kind of a cool science fiction element to it which i really enjoyed and it, it was easy that was the other thing it was really <laughs> easy to play this game uh was released in the P when when n64 was the most popular console like worldwide this game was released like right then i think it was 99 um unbelievable so yeah certainly remember it will links 98 oh yeah. number four talk us through it so this is why i didn't have mario uh, golf up there because i refused to get mario golf with my brother's n64 because we were too busy playing goldeneye and mario kart yep. and i had or a real golf game upstairs on the family computer which is the whole link system now look links 2004 to all of the links nerds out there is the epitome of that game i'm going back to sort of the the transition time when it really became a really good game because you went from a lot of two-bit sort of graphical elements to a lot more um i mean you could really see grass for the yes. first time in a video game element and instead of now we're so accustomed to the aa the eas and the 2ks of the world where you're building these these really good um, graphical images of players back then they took video of guys. So you had Arnold Palmer, you could play with Arnold Palmer and it was actually Arnold swinging. It was a video that was sort of cut out and transposed on it. So that was so cool. I mean, the gameplay element of it was a little bit slow at times and you know, it didn't, the ball didn't react like you would sort of want to, but you were playing St. Andrews with Arnold Palmer or Latrobe country club with Arnold Palmer like that was kind of like all of a sudden as a golf nerd, I'm exiting high school and heading to college and I'm at the, 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 the pinnacle of my obsession with the sport and I'm able to get on my family computer and do this. I mean, to me, the Lynx series, and there's still a lot of people out there. I think they still have Lynx tournaments, don't yeah, they? They definitely do. Uh, you're, you're right that 2003, that was, that's the one that I remember most. Sergio I, and all those guys. Yes. But, yeah. I, but you're absolutely right that, um, in games before this, you knew you were in the rough because it was just a different color, Will. It was just a little bit right. darker. This yeah. is actually, you could see a little texture and it might actually appear longer. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, and it, it's like, it felt like, okay, this is the first time that the golf I'm accustomed to playing is on my screen. Yeah. And so again, like I'm bookending it, you know, you had just the ability to play a golf course like Sawgrass in two bit and it's bouncing like it's on concrete and you have no control with PGA Tour Golf. And then 10 years later, you know, you've got links on your PC with all the processing capabilities. And it was amazing. I mean, it was amazing what we came to in a decade worth of time. And that's why they're both on my list. Well, we're going to jump to present day. Uh, Greg alluded to this being number three on his list. It's number four on mine. It's the Golf Club 2019. Um, Greg, What's do you want to go? What's that, Rick? I don't, what is that, Rick? I don't okay. know anything about this game. I've, I've, Greg. Is, is it on Twitter anywhere? Do you, you want to go first? or Because I'm going to have to step on a soapbox. Uh, <laughs> so maybe you should just go first. All right, I'll go first. Now, this is a game that somewhere somebody on the internet just continuously posts about it and i it's i got me. it I, I, <laughs> oh <laughs> so, I I it. <laughs> so i got the i i got it and it like basically brought me out of retirement i have a, a two-year-old and i don't have a lot of time to <laughs> to look at instagram let alone I, like i don't have i don't have time to do any of these kind of things but here's uh rick posting all these videos about it and i had there's one afternoon where i think uh, my son was with my wife and they were away i had like an hour by myself and i got the game and i started to play and i found out that there's this feature in it the design feature <laughs> create and your own course. you can create your own course and it's not what you would expect this is a tedious task yeah it is 
not always the this is not video games as you imagine video games are supposed to be fun you're supposed to play <laughs> this is like a project it's like going home after school in the summertime and and reading it's like reading uh your your uh book for summer break in the first week when you get home kids don't do that you don't design a golf course at this magnitude on a video game yet it's extremely fun and you can do anything you i mean it is so uh detail oriented it's amazing i mean you're putting trees in there you're scaling the sizes you're uh excavating land it's intense and so i did it and i designed one and i you know I, Anytime I get a chance, jump on there and work on a couple of holes. And it's it's wild to me. Uh, and then the gameplay in this game is very realistic. It's not like Tiger Woods where you can spin the ball. You can't add power. You don't advance with distance. You kind of stay the same, which I almost – I give it partially a knock, but partially I like it. And so figuring out how to design a golf course where there's a way to play it, but it's also challenging – because you know you don't want to birdie every hole. You want to make some some challenges, but it's a video game. You, you're going to make so anyway. Mirroring a realistic golf course and um, and a video game golf course, a fantasy golf course is something I've enjoyed the challenge of. But I don't feel like I'm playing a video game. I feel like I'm getting a hobby, like drawing golf courses on paper. I don't have to do that anymore, and I can actually get my ideas out in the world. And I'm after watching Seminole. I'm just I'm itching to design a a tropical golf. I, I want to design a golf course now and, you know, hope maybe, maybe one day I'll, I'll be able to do Why it. Why don't you do medalist for us? Because it's not available. Why don't you go do medalist? You'd probably be really good at that. Ooh, man. It, it's almost. And you have like three days to do it so we can play it before this match. No, I, I, cannot do <laughs> I don't think I could get done um, with number one. So, so just so you, just so everyone is aware, uh, Greg bought this game and then like two days later was like, you got to play this course. I just created. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, I'll play, I'll play this course. Um, yeah. So, so Greg nailed it. just a couple of things. I think with the release of PGA tour 2k 21, I realized that a lot of people did not know this game existed. It has a very bad name. It's called the golf club. It is not good for SEO. Um, they, they started putting years on it, but they did not release the game every year. So everyone's like, what is the, where's the golf club 2020? That game doesn't exist. Like it, it's a bad name. It was bad marketing, but the game itself I love. And it is basically what I envisioned online gaming to be when video games first went online, which means that there are probably 15 courses that are standard stock in the game, but the course creator, Greg posts his course and everybody in the world can play it on any platform. And that is really that now there's like a hundred thousand courses in the game and someone has designed a, uh, you know, a seminal clone or, uh, you know, uh, an Augusta clone or whatever uh, that are really, really realistic. So that to me is just the pinnacle of what golf games should be. In well, it's collaborative, right? I mean that everything that is, good now about the internet is and bad let's be honest about the internet is the ability for everybody to collaborate and connect via it and whether it's more than just competition it makes sense i've never touched a game never seen it except in all the videos that rick posts so that is my exposure <laughs> to it but yeah i want to get into it and i'm just so glad that no one talked about golf clash because that's like the yeah. that's like the opposite end it's like the bottom of the barrel yeah. comparatively speaking it's like no if you love golf go create a golf course and play somebody in golf don't buy a bunch of gems and rubies so you can hit your monster driver over the weird thing that we've got here against Dinah in Iowa, who's got six trophies, and I have to play against yep. her on 11 o'clock on a Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sounds like you've done that before. No, <laughs> never. <laughs> uh, well, gentlemen, there's a there's a perfect ending to this because we actually all have the same game in our spot, and it's We Golf. Uh, Will, you kind of alluded to this, uh, the party aspect, right? You, you get this, and I feel like so many people did this. So many people got a Wii. They wanted to play Wii Bowling. They wanted to play Wii Golf. That's how a lot of people got exposed to it. And for what it was, kind of like a party game, I, I it was great. Yeah, it's it's the sympathy vote, I think, because, again, it, it got golf in the hands of people that probably never would go out and buy an individual golf game, and it became sort of the party. Like, if I've had people over, and, again, we got a Wii before we had kids. You know, I mean, you were grown adults, and we're buying a game system because – You'd have the built-in sort of game. I never played golf. I would play the tennis. I'd play the bowling. I'd work out with the boxing, you know, and like yeah. try and see if my, my little nunchuck could jigger as much as it possibly could. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was just, it was cool because it was simple. 
And I think at that time in all video games, unless you were really, really into gaming, it was becoming really hard. Like my buddies that gamed in college, they'd have halo parties and we'd go over and have 10 guys upstairs and 10 guys downstairs. And we'd be having these Royal battles. And I was the absolute whooping boy because I, I didn't, I didn't know there are too many buttons on the damn controller. Like what am I supposed to do with this thing? And then we comes out and it's like, Oh my gosh, we can all play something together and have fun with it. And there was a golf element to it, but let's be honest. I mean, the game, the, the gameplay was awful. I mean, just awful. You couldn't do anything with it. You know, if you're in the rough by a foot, you can't change anything. You're having to hit chip shots out of it. If you swing at one mile an hour, that's too fast. And you get the little wiggle noodle thing going on. But I mean, yeah, just the ability to get people connected was its value, but it's a terrible golf game. Uh, it's hard to argue, but everyone was playing it, Greg. Yep. I mean, we, we golf. Um, I actually stumbled upon a couple of days ago, a speed run of we golf which means you finish nine holes as quickly as possible and i've never seen anything like it um highly encourage you to youtube that video but greg this is still yeah this is this is um impact on society i think well see i believe this is an instance where the game of golf created a video game console there's no more perfect thing you're going to hold a controller the whole idea of we is built around somebody in an elevator making golf swings and turn that into a turn that into a game now you're right will the gameplay didn't cut it, it doesn't live up to the expectation you can't make a full swing uh, somebody who has a higher club head speed isn't going to have an advantage in we which is both the good and the bad element of it but it's perfect you're going to stay there's there's no better game for we than than golf it's just too bad that the gameplay wasn't a little bit better so um definitely a big fan uh of the idea not necessarily a fan of actually playing the game all right that'll do it the definitive uh golf video game rankings there are no exceptions there are no changes to this this is absolutely it uh let me thank greg ducharme you can find him on twitter at it's at the real gfd will haskett he's on twitter at will haskett i'm rick Gaiman, at rick Rungood. yeah uh, well, at least hey greg wants to make sure there are no fakes out there he is the real buddy <laughs> we know it's you uh will thanks so much for joining us no problem guys see you thanks will all right this is the first cut we'll catch you next time Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.